and we're going to dive into the Word. I, I want you to pray with me. I want to talk to you about All I Want for Christmas. How many of y'all remember the song, All I Want for Christmas is my... Who sang that? The Chipmunks. Before, my, before her was the Chipmunks, man. Right? I don't know who sang it before the Chipmunks. At least I think the chipmunks was, was first. So I want to talk to you about all I want for Christmas is, is you. What do you want for Christmas? What is the want that's in your heart? What's the want in my heart today? I want to talk to you about the, the importance of want. There, out of that title, want really stood out to me. And I want to, I want to challenge us all in our want today, that it would be directed to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this amazing time. About 52 weeks out of the year, we gather. Someone's phone's rocking out, Lord. Just bless them. (laughs) Father, we just pray that you'd bless this time and speak to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in our midst. You lead us into all righteousness. You're the great counselor and the great comforter. Father, we thank you for your amazing word, your word that transforms us from the inside out, the word that says is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, your word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from your mouth. So I'm asking for your anointing right now, asking for the unction of your Holy Spirit, asking that you would change hearts right now in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. look at your neighbor right now, just look at him real good and say, show up. If you, don't, if you didn't say that to the neighbor, everyone say it to themselves right now, say, show up. You're like, J-O, I'm here. That doesn't mean that you're here. How many of you went to school? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to show up today as I talk to you about all I want. Uh, I love uh, the story of the, the wise men. And this, it's just so beautiful. If you look at this, Matthew 2, 10 through 11, the story of the wise men that, that came and found Jesus, they probably, coming from the east, wherever that was, Persia or Babylon, what have you, and I'm going to talk about Babylon later on, but wherever they came from, they could have traveled for months, especially if the star showed up to them when Jesus was born and then they traveled, they could have been traveling for months to see baby Jesus, by the way, born of a virgin mother. Will you say that with me, virgin mother? That's an important thing right there for you to always remember about the birth of Jesus. Matthew 2 Uh, 10 through 11 says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. It was like the first Christmas, you know what I'm saying? They, though, though, though they wasn't receiving, they were giving. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men, they wanted someone. They wanted Jesus. How many of you know it's probably wise to want Jesus? 
All I want for Christmas is, how many know that Jesus is enough? I love what David said. David, out of, real, out of a real popular Psalms that's read, you know, sometimes at funerals and at different times in life, but listen to the way that this Psalms begin. Psalms 23, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, come on, go with me today, church, I shall not, man, I love that. In the Hebrew, that word one is hazar, and it means, or hazer, and it means to lack or to fail, want, lessen, be abated, bereave, decrease, fail, lack, make lore, want. David was like, man, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. I have no want. And uh, I just love that, that uh, when we're talking about the Lord is my shepherd and we're talking about wants today, I think about a guy in the, in the Bible the prodigal son out of Luke 15. Matter of fact, we were singing a, the last song, Reckless Love, and we talked about Jesus leaving the 99. In that same chapter is the story of the prodigal. And I think what caused the prodigal son to even come to his dad and to get the inheritance from his dad was his wants. And the Bible says, Luke 15, 13 through 14, and not many days after, the young son gathered all together journey to a far country. This is after he went to his father and his father gave him his inheritance and he packed up ship, took off, not ship, but you know what I'm saying. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. His dad gave him out of his wants and then he goes and he wasted all of his inheritance on wants. Let me encourage you with something today in this season that we're in. This is for free. You may feel extremely pressured in this day and time and stressed to give beyond your means during Christmas. You know what I would say to that? Don't. I would say, calm down. Why? The church, we need to remember what the true reason of the season is. I don't think it should be a season of stressed out, pressured, you know, worried about what are they going to think of me, pride, definitely not going into debt. I mean, I know you might use your credit card and you pay it back. I get that. But I'm just talking about it's not the season for that. I would say calm down. Free point number two, you might want to set a budget. There's nothing wrong with gift giving but let it be out of a heart, not of compulsion, not out of guilt, not of, not of those negative things, but, uh, but out of a, a true reason for the season. You might want to even talk about it. I've, I've done this before. You might want to even make a gift. It's amazing that you make a gift, how special it would be to you as those who make it and those that, you know, you give it to. Now, with this guy, the once led him to one. I think... One led him out of the house, and one caused him to spend all his daddy's inheritance, but one led him to want. Listen to this scripture here. How many know there's no end to wants? No, let me, let me say that again. There's no end to your wants. We want out of our brokenness. We want out of greed. We want out of a broken heart. I want to tell you right now, don't let your brokenness lead you in this season. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in this season. 
You might want to set a budget. You know, Radine and I do that to some great degree, huh? And it works. And I say that because, you know, God wants us to be extremely wise in our giving at any times. Well, anyway, this guy, his, he wasted his dad's inheritance and now on once and the want led to him once. Listen to this scripture, Luke 15. Where are you, what are you talking about, Jay? Just look at, look, at, look at Luke 15, 14. But when they had spent all, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And look, he began to be in want. His wants led him totally down the wrong path, led him out of his father's house, his father giving him an inheritance before he even passed away. Some say that that was a customary in that uh, culture. So I, I, I don't know for sure. But all I can tell you is those wants led him to more want. And that's what wants do in our life. I want you to listen to the, what the definition of want is in the Greek, especially what the word want in the Greek means. The word, tell me if this rings any bell. The word for want in the Greek is hysterio. Hyster Say that word with me, hysterio. Ha ha has anybody ever heard of the word hysterical? How about hysteria? Where do you think all those words derive from? From hysterio, the Greek, I'm pretty sure. And so in this time, it's amazing with the pressures of gift giving and Christmas and what have you, of how you, you listen to what the, the definition of hysterica or hysterical is. It means this, derived from the affected or affected by uncontrolled extreme emotion. That's not how and that's not why you would want to give in this day and time out of totally extreme emotion. Uh, I, 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 I pasted this, this study this weekend. When, when you're talking about wants and giving, listen to this study. It says this, in a shocking study by the Think Finance, 45% of Americans surveyed would prefer to skip Christmas altogether because of the stress and pressure. 45% would, if we probably right now took a survey in here, it could be in here that we would rather skip Christmas than all the stress and pressure. According to the American Psychological Association, up to 69% of people feel like they don't have enough time during the holidays. 69% report not having enough, enough money. And 51% report being stressed by pressure to give or even receive gifts. Everyone say, calm down. I think we just need to calm down. You think Jesus desires this time of year to be full of stress and pressure? Even those who like to cook a lot. You might like to cook a lot and not calm down. It's going to be all right. The son was led by once out of his house. The son was led by once back to his house. Here he is. He spends all that he has on once. Famine in the land. 
and now he's broke. Starts coming back to his dad's house. When he returned, his dad gave gifts. And this is, I think, a beautiful way of giving gifts. His dad didn't do it out of compulsion. His dad did it out of unction. His dad didn't do it from pressure. His dad did it from pleasure. His dad didn't do it from stress. Come on, the dad did it from a place of rest. And what was the gifts that the dad gave the son when he came back? He was so excited that his dad, his son was back. I mean, he'd been looking for him in a distance. He goes out, meets him, falls on his neck, kisses him, and he gives him a robe. Somebody say robe. And I just think about a robe and what it does, covering him, possibly covering his shame and his guilt of living his prodigal life. And then he gives a ring, not just any ring, but a family ring. I think about a family ring. Hey, son, you're still my son, and it's all good. He gave him a pair of sandals. Why? The son was thinking on the way back to his father's house in a place of want that he would go back and be a slave or serve like all the other servants did in his house. But the dad gives him a, a pair of sandals because slaves don't wear sandals my understanding in that time. And then he, what does he do? He kills a calf. And I think about the blood of Jesus Christ and how the sacrifice and how it, how it covers us. I want to let you know that's the way that I think that God wants us to give in this day and time, not out of a place of responding to people once, but out of a place of love and compassion uh, for people around us. Listen to the psalmist. David wrote a lot of psalms, but not this one. This is from the Psalms, the sons of Korah. Listen to these words. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. Psalms 84, 1 through 2. It says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I mean, to me, that's like a psalmist writing, All I want for you. All I want for Christmas, God, is you. My, my soul longs for you. How many of you remember or have ever read about Samuel in the Bible? If you've read about Samuel, heard about Samuel, you just raise your hand. I like to get a, a look. Go ahead, raise your hand. Good, 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 good. Most, most of you. Samuel was an amazing dude, even as a young man. Samuel, he lived a very unique life because his mother had been barren and all of a sudden, God heard her cry. That's a good thing to do, to pray, to cry out to God. And uh, all of a sudden, she got pregnant, and she had promised God, hey, you give me a child, I'm going to dedicate him back to you. And that's exactly what she did. As a young baby or a young man, uh, he, she took him back to the temple where she had cried out. Eli had heard her crying out one day, and she was just praying within her heart, and he thought she was drunk. It's a it's an amazing story. Just read it in 1 Samuel. But let's fast forward. She has the baby. Samuel is now a young man. I don't know exactly how old he is. But she takes him back, dedicates him back to God, and leaves him at the temple with this priest, Eli. She'd make little priestly clothes for the dude. And at a young age, Samuel heard the voice of God. When the voice of God was very scarce, at a young age, God spoke to Samuel. How many of you parents, you are to hear me today, it's good to have your children in church. Listen to me. 
Don't, don't say, well, when you're 18 or when you're 21. Man, Jesus was in the temple talking, asking questions with the elders at 12 years old. There's no junior anointing. God wants to touch your young people. Get them here on a Wednesday night. Come on Thursday nights, young adults. God wants to move. Anyway, Samuel began to hear the voice of God. He became known in the land as a prophet. And now let's fast forward. He's an old prophet. He's actually the last judge of all the judges. And the people do something very peculiar. They come to Samuel and they say, we want, we, we, we want a king. Well, what's wrong with that, Jay? They had never had a king. Guess who wanted to always be the king of God's people? God wanted to be their king. And so this thing that the people asked for, Samuel was not pleased about. And I want to read a little bit of it. 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 7 says this. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. This is what God tells Samuel. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. God always wanted to be their king. God always wants to have a relationship with you. God always wants to be your king. God always wants to be your father. You're created to be in relationship with the Father. That's why you're created. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Can you imagine how this breaks the Father's heart? But you know, like the prodigal dad, hey, you think the grass is greener on the other side? Here's your inheritance. Hit the big road. The Father doesn't hold it back. Hey, give them what they want. It's not you they're rejecting, Samuel. It's me. Goes on to say, they don't want me to be their king any longer. Verse 8, ever since I brought them from Egypt, they continued, abandoned me, followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they asked, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will rule over them. And the next few scriptures, that's what Samuel does. Samuel talks to him and he goes, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think you really want what you're asking for. Because this is how a king's going to treat you. This is what's going to happen. They're going to take your animals. They're going to take your children. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You want a king? This is what you're going to be faced with. And, and Samuel's really trying to give them a, a, a real heads up of what a king is going to be like in their life. And I think it's very unique. Though Samuel, the judge, probably the oldest prophet in the land, he's telling them the real deal, and look what they decide on their own. How many of you know left to ourselves is not good? You might think you know it all, but you don't. And I don't either. And my worst, one of my worst enemies... In, how many of you ever saw the movie Creed? I'm not telling you to see the movie Creed, 
But let me tell you, in the movie Creed, Rocky is there with this young man, Creed, and he gets him in the mirror. He says, now I want you to jab and I want you to swing. Now, who do you see in the mirror? And he sees him. And he goes, that's going to be your biggest opponent right there. And sometimes in our life, our biggest opponent is not the devil. It's you. It's me. In this case right there, it didn't say the devil made them want a king. They chose it for themselves. And look at, look at the response here in verse 19 through 22. It says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still, oh, y'all got to go with me. I'm, I'm preaching a little bit better than that right there. We still, a what? We want a king. We still want a king, they said. We to be like the nations around us. That can be scary right there, yo. I want to be a God-fearing nation. If the nations around me is a God-fearing nation, so be it. But if not, I don't want to be like any other nation. I want us to be a God-fearing nation. At the end of the day, you know, I'm not part of this nation anyway. I am and as American. Don't throw stones at me. But I'm really, truly a citizen of heaven. Amen. My kingdom is, I'm part of a different kingdom. Before y'all get your flags out and start trying to beat me, I'm, I love America. But just hear me out. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel re- repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. And how many of you know with that decision, what the people wanted, things went south. If you don't know the history, you should just read. Read, read some of the history in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Beautiful. Beautiful writings, real, real, real stuff. Guess who the first king was? Yeah, how many of y'all know it's Saul? Because we got to talk about being biblically illiterate right here in, in Heart of the City Church. Can I encourage you? This is, this is for free. Your pastor's talking. Can I encourage you to read the Bible? No, seriously. I don't mean to make anyone feel stupid. It is the living word of God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Read them all. J.O., that's the Old Testament. Read it anyway. Guess what Jesus quoted in the New Testament? Because there was no New Testament. Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Are y'all with me? Tell your neighbor right now, read the Bible. Wake up somebody, tell them, read the Bible. Now, let's try that again. Who's the first king? Saul. Everyone say Saul. Saul. Good, I'm feeling a lot better right now. Head and shoulders above anyone else. Good looking dude. You would think that he would be a giant slayer. When they put him in office, the Bible says that he was hidden in his stuff or his baggage. And that carried out through his life. Saul did some of the most 
craziest things, though he did. He went and he wreaked havoc upon the Philistines. But I want to let you know, he did some crazy things. You know why? Because he allowed fear to steer his life. The spirit of fear controlled his life. I mean, he made a monument unto himself. He burned incense. You know, what? You, you didn't do a few things in the Old Testament. A king did not do what a priest uh, was supposed to do. Samuel wasn't there on time, and, and, and King Saul said, bring the sacrifice to me. Then right after the sacrifice, guess what Saul, guess who comes? Samuel. And Samuel's like, what have you done? Anyway, that's for free. Here's my point. They set in Saul as a king, and things go way south in the, in the country. And before you know it, the kingdom gets snatched away from Saul and given to another king. Who is that king? Can somebody say David? A man after God's own heart. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing. What king do you want today in your life? I tell you what, there's only one king in my book. And his name is King Jesus. And that's the only king for me. And that's the king I want for Christmas. Let me tell you about another king in the Bible. His name is King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what he does. Anybody ever heard of King Nebuchadnezzar before? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Daniel chapter 3. And I want to bring out a couple of points uh, about King Nebuchadnezzar and this, this country, Babylon, and how I even think Babylon is a whole, whole, whole lot like America today. We're going to start, let me just kind of begin in the very beginnings. If you look at verse 1, we can see what's going on uh, in, this, in this kingdom and what this king decided to do. It says, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold. Say that with me, image of gold. What's very unique is that we would never really make an image of gold in America because that would be so barbaric. But we can have underlining images of gold all around us. If, if Seattle, Seahawks is more important to you than Jesus, if Steelers is more important to me than Jesus, if your business is more important to you than Jesus, if your wife is more important to you than Jesus, uh-oh, J.O., you just crossed the line right there. No, I'm just telling you Bible. <laughs> Jesus has to be number one in the middle of everything of your life, and mine too. Do we fall short in that? I think so. But I'm going to tell you what our goal is. The goal is all I want for Christmas is Jesus, are you with me today? The king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's with 60 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he had a herald come out and just begin to announce, here's the instruction about this golden image. The herald came out, he said this. Then the herald cried aloud, verses 3, 4 through 6. 
To you it is, a, it is commanded, O oh, peoples, listen to this right here. Say this with me, peoples. How many know there's peoples in America? Next one. Nations. Not even just talking about, he's talking about everyone. He's talking about nations in that area. I don't know what all nations he's talking about, but he did say nations. And then he says this, and languages. How many of you know there's more than one language in America? It's a whole lot of like, to me, like, like America. And he goes on to say, at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Wow. Babylon, like I said, a whole lot like America because both of them to me is pluralistic nations. What does it mean to be a pluralistic nation? It means that like we coexist as states. We coexist when it comes to religions. We coexist when it comes to languages and groups of people and principles. There's a lot of coexistence just like in Babylon it is in America. I would like to say that in America that we only serve one true God. That would be a cool thing to be able to say that, right? But if I said that, that wouldn't be true, and we know that. And so we're a lot like that. But then there's these three really cool dudes that I love a whole lot. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three dudes, they swim up the culture. They're, they're so counter-cultural. They swim up the river. They, they do not want the golden image for Christmas. They, they have a different idea of what they want for Christmas. They have a different idea of worship and who they worship and uh, the king hears about this because uh, the king really doesn't like this because he's already made a pretty strict rule. If you don't bow down and worship the golden image, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. I mean, that's some pretty steep uh, penalty for not worshiping the golden image. Look at verse 12. They come and, tell, they come and they tell the king about this situation. It says this, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had some um, authority in the land. They had been taken slaves and, and uh, been raised up, but they also had some different authority that they were responsible in the land. So there wasn't just like nobodies. Over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve, I want you to look at two things here. They do not serve your gods. Say that with me, your gods. And then it, I uh, can't say the word. Then there's a difference right then and there between your gods 
and a golden image. I think that's very unique. Let me finish reading, and I want to show you why. And it goes, they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, why do you say that, J.O.? Why, you know, serve your gods or the golden image? Timothy Keller, he's the one that kind of brought to light that the golden image doesn't have a name. I don't know what all the names of their little G gods are, but I think when it comes to once, this king already in his nation has a lot of little G gods. Are you seeing that? Why is that important? Because wants have no end. If you're wanting, I'm going to tell you right now, adding another God is not going to take care of your wants. Adding another God is not going to take care of your wants. He adds to the little G gods a golden image. Do you think that's going to take care of his wants? No, it's not going to take care of his wants. It's not going to take care of his wants and his desires because it doesn't matter whatever is above Jesus. Jesus has got to be your want. Jesus has got to be your final want. That's the only thing that absolutely takes care of the wants and desires in our heart. So it says this, O king, have not paid dues to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. I want to let you know that it's not popular or politically correct for us to say that there's one God, but I want to let you know that there's only one God. Now, I understand that there's a lot of people in here that are believers and Christians, but, you know, a lot of gatherings, it's not full of just believers and Christians. So I want to make sure that everyone knows, though it's not politically correct these days and times, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say that he is a way. He's not a truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Why is that so important? Because, well, we see Nebuchadnezzar, he had all kinds of little G gods, and he had built a golden image. Look at uh, verse 314. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, he goes to the, he hears about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and now he's really, the whole story is beautiful to see. He's furious, his face is disfigured, he is really upset at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Bible says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve, listen, my gods, or to worship the golden statue? So, Having a lot of gods wasn't enough for the king. He had to add a golden statue to it, and it still wasn't enough. And now he's upset that everyone's not worshiping his gods and golden statue. And so think about, just for a minute, do me a favor, all of us. Right now in this moment, you're in Babylon, every one of us. Just for a minute. You're not in really cool, no-threatening America, you're in Babylon. The king is Nebuchadnezzar. Put your shoes, your feet into their shoes for a moment. You now are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
You're now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What would you do? Serving their gods, the golden image. I mean, wouldn't it be easy? Just, I'm just saying, wouldn't it be easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Hey, hey, guys, why don't we fake it till we make it? God is merciful. God is gracious. Why don't we just fake it till we make it? Hey, hey, Shadrach, Meshach. Hey, let's just, you know, so we don't snap, crackle, and pop. I don't feel like being jerky today. Why don't we just bow to the little G gods? You know they're not gods to us. And why don't we just bow to the golden image? We'll just do that for a few minutes. As soon as we're done and we're out of the hot water, actually the hot fire, then we're going to ask God to forgive us. And then we're cool. Right? These guys, they don't do that. Listen to their response today. Verses 17 through 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Listen to these three powerful words. But if not, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, All I want for Christmas is you. I'm not going to serve gold image or little G gods, not for the praise of man, not to be politically correct, not for any reason. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Gift giving is fun, and I think that it's wonderful, and we should do it unless It causes us to make crazy decisions, hysterical decisions, puts us in debt, pressure, and stresses you out. And if that's the case, I tell you today, calm down. This is a calm down season. I think we should give like the prodigal father gave. I think that we should give like the wise men gave. And when it comes to want around us and our wants, I think that we should look at the Apostle Paul in his statement in Philippians 4.11. It says this, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. Don't allow your brokenness to lead you in wants like the prodigal son. And don't allow the, the brokenness of people around you to pressure you and stress you out in this season. You might need to tell family members, calm down. Amen.